Hello, welcome to FinTech Impact. I'm your host, Jason Pereira. Today on the show, we have Philip Hecker, CEO of Bento Engine. Bento Engine is best termed as a next best content and conversation system for financial advisors to help build deeper relationships and grow their business. And with that, here's my interview with Philip. Philip, thanks for taking the time today. Jason, great to see you again. Look forward to this conversation. Same here. So, Philip Hecker of Bento Engine. Tell us about Bento Engine. Bento Engine is on a mission to bring better advice that goes beyond investing to more American families via you, their caring financial advisors, so that families thrive and advisor practices grow. On the conceptual end, we help advisors focus on moments that matter in the lives of their clients and prospects. And on the technical side, we are a B2B SaaS solution that connects via APIs into the CRM systems broadly used across the street. I look forward to unpacking all of that with you, Jason, in this discussion. Excellent. Well, I mean, one of the things you hit upon, which is near and dear to my heart, is that a successful and impactful financial planning industry is one that has an incredible net positive effect on, on the individuals being served. So anything that helps move the needle on that, I'm a big supporter of. So tell us about the history of Bento. How did it come to be? We have passed the two-year mark, the magical two-year mark in your mind as a Delaware C-Corp. We are a deliberately a mix of deep wealth management experts combined with cutting-edge technologists, some of them, by the way, up in Canada, and serial entrepreneurs. The impetus behind Bento Engine, the idea behind Bento Engine, as so often It wasn't one big aha moment. It was a convergence, a confluence of multiple observations. Some of them I had in one of my prior lives. I was lucky enough to found and lead an org unit at JP Morgan called Wealth Planning and Advice, which included all the financial planning teams across the private bank, the JPMS broker-dealer business, and the vast Chase network. It also included think tank type units such as the Advice Lab and the Philanthropy Center, you may have heard of them. During that time in particular, Jason, I really saw the power of comprehensive advice at work. The magic that happens on the client side when you think about client experiences and outcomes, and the advisor or firm side when you think about loyalty, net promoter score, share of wallet, those all go up if and when Clients feel comprehensively advised on their entire life, on their entire journey. So as you well know, and as you alluded to in your opening statement, our industry is not just about managing money. For sure, that's an important aspect. But we as financial advisors can add so much value, oftentimes quantifiable value, by leading with advice that goes beyond investing. What that is, what the moments are, we'll double click on. But on the positive side, as I alluded to, I saw the power of comprehensive advice. On the opportunity side, if you will, when I look across the street, I notice how many advisors by now talk the talk, if you will, when it comes to comprehensive holistic advice, but don't always walk the walk for their entire book of business. Many advisors, let's be honest and let's celebrate the fact that they do focus on moments that matter, for example, age-based milestones, such as turning 50 and being able to make catch-up contributions, turning 70 and a half and being able to utilize QCDs if one is philanthropically inclined, turning 62 and facing the big question 
do I start taking Social Security benefits now or later? There are many of these milestones which will unpack. And good advisors today already do advise on those milestones. Awesome. However, let's be honest, they do so manually and they tend to do it for their very best clients only. When you look at the middle of the book, the bottom of the book, that is oftentimes woefully underserved and in our mind represents a massive, organic, built-in revenue growth opportunity that we're helping advisors to unlock. So in a nutshell, the impetus behind Bento is advice beyond investing is important and benefits everybody. However, we as an industry have an opportunity to bring it more consistently to all of our clients and prospects, thus the notion of using technology to help advisors do just that in automated, efficient, well-controlled ways. Excellent. So lots to unpack there. I mean, I agree with you on the life-transforming magic of it all. Uh, I'll also say that, you know, the entire, not everybody's necessarily doing it because, well, everybody offers what they think is the, what the market's looking for. Execution is always where the rubber hits the road. And then the last piece is that the bottom of the book, I mean, I'd say that depends on the design of your book, right? I mean, we've seen the surveys. We know what the average number of clients per, house, per advisor is. It's not a serviceable number with comprehensive planning. That, that's just basic math to be able to prove that. So one tactic has been simply to limit the number of households you service in order to provide that at a very high level. That's limiting, that's limiting in one of two ways. Either your income is going to be kept down as an advisor or you're only going to service large clients to get the income where it is. So there's this tug, and, there's this tug of war. But that's still, either way, leaves the bottom end of the book kind of non-serviced, right? So talk to me about how Bento solves that problem. I'm happy to, Jason. By context, fully agree with you. In the US, we see the demand for human advice going only one direction, and that is up. When you think about wealth creation, the complexity of wealth, the tax code, the demand for human advice will continue to rise. At the same time, we as an industry struggle with the supply side, meaning the number of human advisors, despite our best attempts, is flat at best. That means the same number of advisors have to take on more families. And the only way to do that in an efficient and effective way is using more and better technology to scale the most important and finite asset, which is the advisor's understanding, empathy, and ability to connect with the client. So against that backdrop, we've developed Bento as a tech solution that, as I alluded to, connects via APIs into seven CRM systems broadly used across the industry. Salesforce, Dynamics, Redtail, Wealthbox, Practify, Accelerate, HubSpot. We integrate into all of them. Plus, should bigger firms have custom CRMs, we're proficient at that too. We view the CRM as the hub of the tech stack of client-centric advisors going forward. That's where the golden source of information lies. That's where more and more firms keep all the crucial information on the families that they're trying to serve. Let's mine that data. Let's leverage that information to put advisors into a position to shine more often during moments that matter. What are those moments that matter? We break them down into three buckets, which I'm happy to expand upon. Bucket one is age-based milestone. Bucket two is life events. And bucket three is the children, the coming of age of the children of the client family that many firms and advisors want to do a better job with at connecting with. Excellent. So effectively, what you've done with the CRM at this point, at least, is, is basically extracted the more 
easy to extract pieces, right? The ones that that are standardized data. Everybody's got birthdays, probably has gender, probably has, you know, another big names, obviously. So you're taking those pieces and you're basically building out the communication and content points around those pieces of data. So give me examples of what it is you built and how it's being served up once you've extracted that information. Absolutely. You got it, Jason. Let's talk about the what and the why behind it. The what is via APIs, we read the data in the CRM, and then we alert the advisor via tasks or activities in the CRM system of upcoming advice opportunities. So for example, six months before the client turns 50, the advisor will receive an alert, hey, your client Rhoda is about to turn 50. If you haven't advised her yet on utilizing catch-up contributions in her retirement accounts, now might be a good time. And then we give the advisor embedded in the CRM compliance pre-approved client-ready materials to leverage in executing the advice. And those materials deliberately always come in multiple formats. Think PowerPoint and PDF pages for visual learners. Think talking points for the advisor to utilize if the client is an audio learner that prefers a conversation. Think email templates that are ready to go where the advisor only customizes the intro and the outro. We deliberately deliver the materials in multiple formats because we acknowledge that clients have different learning preferences and communication styles. To break through and to truly be heard by the client or prospect, it is paramount that the advisor not only connects on the right topics at the right point in time, but also does so in the right language, if you will, in the right mode of communication. So in a nutshell, we have a bi-directional integration into the CRM to mine the data, to analyze it, and then we use the CRM as the platform to start the all-important workflows for the advisor, providing not only next best action alerts, that's the buzzword, but also giving advisors everything they need for the next step, the materials to execute with. The why behind the focus, real quick, Jason, to get back to your question, we focused first on these moments that matter, these pretty simple, if you will, age-based milestones, precisely because of the data dynamics you alluded to. The data is available by now. It's high enough quality to be, you know, useful. And I may add, Jason, because we acknowledge that we humans, advisors, and clients are oftentimes the bottleneck to adopting smart, powerful technology fast. So we are learning into the journey of using the machine, the computer, AI, the big buzzword to get to better wealth management. But we acknowledge that many advisors are skeptical at first when the machine tells them to do something. Many of them double-check the birthday. Is this truly coming up? And after double-checking it and corroborating it three times in a row, they become much more willing to accept what the machine is suggesting to them. So long story short, we picked this program, this age-based milestones program, because it is a lot of important low-hanging fruit from a client point of view. And it is quite digestible and user-friendly from an advisor point of view. Excellent. I mean, a bunch to unpack there. First and foremost, uh, the fact that you're keeping them within the CRM environment is smart because that's where they typically live. And as we know, you ask people, unlike, unlike me, who has three screens and about 15 windows open 
simultaneously. Not everybody operates like me. You know, they, they stay in one thing if they can, right? So the more you can keep them in the CRM, the better off you're going to be, especially given that's the hub of communication anyway, right? They're actioning things off of that. You're you're pushing the content to them. And, and here's the funny thing. I mean, like, I look at it and say to myself, well, this type of like life event related content existed before, but there was a bridge missing, right? And you've built that bridge. And you've done so in a way that, again, respects people's ability to learn differently and to be to work to be effective. But also pushing it back into the CRM, I have to think that you probably have users who've used that to trigger other workflows, right? So that basically not are they just receiving this task that says, oh, this person's this age, therefore you should call them on XYZ, but more so to the fact of, hey, this person's this age. We're going to call them on XYZ, but maybe this is the, the time that we send some sort of gift, right? Like one example I saw that I, I thought was always wonderful was kids, the kid gets to college age, basically finding out what college that kid's going to and basically sending the entire family sweaters, right? Like a wonderful touch point, right? But, you know, having those nudges or having that like written, having that kind of in the path, the journey where the assistant has been notified, yes, this person is going to that school. I, I call them to find out what school they're going to. Great. My assistant takes care of it. It gets sent. We make sure we have the right sizes, whatever else it is. That just opens up a number of incredible customizations based on the one trigger that you've given them. Absolutely right. We see wonderful manifestations of that. So we as Bento, our objective is to bring the right topics into the dialogue between the advisor and her clients at the right point in time and equip the advisor to deliver the materials and communicate in the best possible way. That is not the end of the story. You are spot on that many thoughtful advisors then extend that workflow into multiple directions. The gifting direction, the personalization direction that you alluded to, a wonderful one. There is oftentimes a fulfillment need, a product opportunity that gets surfaced by the dialogue that Bento triggers. And many firms by now have pretty rigorous, you know, workflows around executing on those fulfillment opportunities. Some of them do that via smart coding programming directly in their CRM. Others use Zapier and other connectivity, you know, functionalities to build more comprehensive journeys. We are thrilled to see that. We will continue to focus from our end on surfacing the right opportunities at the right point in time and then working with our clients. It's wonderful to see the directions that they take it in for everyone's benefit. Yeah. And it's interesting. I mean, it's, as a platform, the one thing you've done is that you got this, again, there's, I don't think there's a lot of reason to log into you, which is a great move, right? It's the, you're, you're Jason, almost, utility. there is no login. There is no, is login. no Bento go. login. Wow. We okay. integrate into the CRM. Yeah. Once they log into the CRM, we are there. When yeah. they go to their task list, they see overnight the activities, the opportunities that the Bento system pushed into the CRM. They then click a link, literally click a link to access and download the materials I alluded to earlier on purposefully. We're not seeking to be yet another platform, sign-on or app on the workstation. Everybody has too many already. Purposefully, we put the CRM on steroids. We make the CRM work even harder for the advisor and her clients. Right. Smart. Yeah, you made yourself more of a utility, uh, an API call to basically put, to put yourself Intel in the Inside. Think Intel Inside. Intel Inside. I mean, I would think, uh, yeah, it's it's more so you, you're you're the, you're the Wizard of Oz behind the curtain here. So, well, I wouldn't go that far, but you know, thank you. <laughs> uh, all right. So we talked about what you do currently, but then you went ahead and, and basically alluded to a question I was going to ask you: is that yeah, the, you know, the easy to extract data that's for, that's that's heavily formatted and usually very accurate is easy. 
but a CRM is a treasure trove of information, unstructured information. So emails, text messages, voicemails, you name it, there is just a ton of data that can be valuable. And just it's too difficult to form it to basically formulate and make it work or basically make sure that people code it properly themselves. This is where large learning models, uh, sorry, large language models and artificial intelligence come into play. What are you thinking is going to happen there in terms of how you're going to evolve the platform utilizing artificial intelligence? So you pointed to the direction of travel that our product roadmap is taking, no doubt, that's no secret, and it doesn't take a brain surgeon to figure out the opportunities on that end. I will make a couple of qualifying comments, though. Number one, the compliance legal risk dimensions of pursuing those opportunities are not to be underestimated. Mm. And we take a very experienced and conservative mindset to those important questions. Number two, as I alluded to, we never would want to be creepy. We would never want to put the advisor in a position to share insights on the client that the client may feel uncomfortable being out there. So having a view on the human constraints of the AI journey, both from an advisor adoption and client perception point of view, is massively important to us. The last comment I'll make is, man, it seems to me like we have reached peak stage of the AI hype out there. Much like you, we are in the flow. We observe the discussions. We as Bento are not a shop that has a fancy technology in search of a problem. We're coming at it the other way around. We understand the problems and opportunities that advisors and their firms face. And we seek to marshal the least sexy, the least complex technology to solve those problems. Very last comment I'll make is, I can't help it, but when I listen to some of the talk that points to 80% of simple jobs will be gone in the next six months due to AI, I would suggest everybody take a chill pill, everybody calm down. I am reminded here of the discussion around the ATMs in the mid-70s. As you may recall, when the ATMs emerged, many smart, well-informed, reasonable people argued passionately that the job of the teller would be gone and banks, physical bank branches, are a thing of the past. In terms of rough numbers, ATMs started in the 70s at less than 10,000. They boomed to 400,000 in the US by 2010. The same starting point for tellers was roughly 300,000 tellers, bank tellers, human beings giving out money in the branches in the US in 1970. Take a wild guess. At 2010, how many bank tellers were there in the US? In order of magnitude more is my guess. 600,000. Yeah. They doubled. They didn't go away quite the opposite. Why? Yeah. Because they up-tiered. They changed the activities that they did. 100%. I am reminded of that analogy my hunch is similar dynamics will unfold with AI. AI will not replace advisors. If anything, AI will make us meaner, leaner, better, and better able to serve more clients well. The only people who think AI is going to replace advisors are typically engineers who basically, or executives who don't actually understand what we do on a daily basis, right? Because that, that interplay between humanity and, and the financial world is one that is difficult. Again, you used an advisor example, not being able to trust the birthdays right now. I'm going to check it three times. Now, imagine your entire financial welfare is on the line. Right? Bingo. 
And the reality is, is that when you think about what it's like to communicate between humans, language is a very inefficient form of communication when you think about it, right? Someone's trying to explain what's in their head, in their vision, and their construct of the universe to somebody else. And I may hear you and think I understand what you're saying, but I'm probably getting a percentage of that accurately, right? And the, especially when that other person doesn't know how to explain what it is they're actually trying to explain because of their limited limit understanding of, say, a financial concept or whatever else it is, you need someone who can extract that from them. Anyway, so yeah, I, I agree with you. The It's one of these things where what I will say is, and maybe some people take issue with this, some of the less rewarding work in this business will be taken away and automated. But that I'm, I'm a big believer that artificial intelligence and also this stuff is going to enable us to build deeper relationships and provide even more expanded services because that's what technological development has done in this industry for the last 30, 40 years. We are down the road of automation already, thank God, with benefits to everyone. That's it. I mean, just even even just the digitization of everything, forget automation of it. I mean, you know, I, I look back to an example of uh, when I when I <laughs> brought Calendly into the company years ago and my staff member went from spending more than half of her days booking, rebooking and confirming meetings to less than 10 percent of it. And at one point she's like, did I just get myself out of a job here? It's like, do you really think this is the highest, best use of your time? Do you think I don't have something else for you to do that basically I couldn't get to? Every business has work they can't get to. One hundred percent is more valuable. Everybody wins, including, by the way, a better client experience. I'm Absolutely. sure that currently booking for the end client was more convenient, quicker, more efficient, effective than 17 phone calls to get it done. Infinitely, infinitely. The ability to, instead of playing a battleship where you send a <laughs> time in place and then basically having them return with a different one and then back and forth until you find it. Yeah, it's, it's definitely better off. So basically, to date, you have integrated, just really the question is, where do you see this going beyond the artificial intelligence? I mean, the artificial intelligence will hopefully help you extract out additional key factors, right? Like additional key permissions unstructured. So for example, maybe I don't have a structured place to put someone's anniversary, but if they mention it in an email, boom, I can find that. Or even uh, other life events for their kids. Maybe someone's got surgery upcoming, you name it. Just any communication where it's like, this is important. We can extract that from, from, from the larger model from various communications, and we can serve up something that maybe you didn't think, or maybe they didn't think you would ever want to make a comment on. So I think the number of permutations for what you can be doing is, is pretty enormous. But I mean, besides that, is there anything else you think that you're, you're feeling like you, need to, you want to accomplish in, with this in the next little while? Of course there is. Of course there is, Jason. Without giving the, the special sauce away, think not only about the power of analysis, but also the power of customization. Many advisory practices, thank God, are taking a more niche approach to their business. And within that, as mm. per your own opening statements, there are oftentimes different tiers or segments of clients. What if AI could be used to customize not only the deliverables, but also literally the language and the visuals that are being used to become even more segment-specific and again, improve the chances of breaking through the noise and being truly heard by the client. Lots of opportunities on the communication front to customize the same good content into even more segment-specific communications. I'll throw out another one, advisor-client interaction and fact-finding that goes beyond fill out this questionnaire that maybe uses interactive AI-driven dynamic questionnaires to better get at what is under the client's hood, what's top of their mind. Will that ever replace the human? No. But augmenting the human together with the human 
could lead to deeper insights quicker and better. So as you said, the manifestations of AI capabilities go way beyond large data set analysis, be it static or dynamic, into other, even more fun, if you ask me, applications as well. Well, I'd say not just more fun, but more meaningful. I mean, if we're talking yep. about further greater customization and personalization of, uh, of content around them, uh, I mean, it's interesting. The, uh, I have a colleague who basically very much against putting any kind of photos of people on our website, because it's like, unless you're servicing that one type of looking person, then you're not relaying to the fact that, oh, that type of person, you know, someone else who looks very different is maybe going to think that's not, oh, if they see 12 different pictures of similar people, that's not for them. Whereas, so wait, you're saying no strolling couples on the beach? Is, is that what you're saying? Yeah, I, I think that boats and, and lighthouses and, and bridges are a lot safer. However, again, doesn't tell any, anything about who you're servicing. I've seen other people specifically, uh, you know, targeting certain demographics where they did pictures that were very much in line with that that sent the message that this is for you. So my point being is that the ability to basically customize content where suddenly now, you know what, you are getting a piece of content with an image that is basically also matching your, your age bracket, your, your gender, your ethnic background, all of that. And basically just being able to, to show that level of, you know what, this is the level, I guess it's, 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 just, it's this apparent like level of comfort. You know, that's someone like me is just to be able to resonate with them. So all of that is, is probably valuable. Bingo. So this has been great. Before we wrap up, there's three questions I ask everyone, which you, uh, Philip, have listened to the podcast, so therefore you're ready for them. Uh, so does there be no, I shouldn't stump you with any of them. So the first question I have for you is if you had one wish for something to change in your company or the industry as a whole, what would it be? I hope that our industry continues its evolution towards becoming more of a profession. And one requirement in my mind is that we have a commonly agreed minimum standard of care. If you become the client of a financial advisor, what can you reasonably expect? Sounds simple. Today's reality is very hard for clients, for regulators, and all of us that live in and care about the wealth management industry. So continuing the journey to a profession with all its many manifestations and requirements is my biggest wish. That's a, a concept near and dear to my heart and one that I often spend a lot of time on. And I'll also say this much, you're, you're about standards. Absolutely right. And uh, because at the end of the day, unfortunately, the level of delivery typically falls to the level of minimum mandated requirements by law. Full stop. Right. So that's the reality of it. So anyone, any system that relies on people doing more than is required is a system designed for disappointment, quite honestly. Anyway, so, for another podcast conversation for hours and hours, hours and hours and hours. <laughs> I have notes that I have stuff to talk to you about off air regarding this, but we'll talk later. So second question I have for you is what's been the biggest challenge in the company of where it is today? That's an easy one. We struggle with awareness. When we get the attention of advisors or their firms, when we get to pitch, people get it, people see the value, and I am thrilled with our closure rate and loyalty, you know, over time. Getting more at-bats, getting Bento on the radar of more advisors and firms is what we need to focus on at this point in time. That's our single biggest opportunity. Absolutely. And then the last question is, what excites you the most about what it is you're working on and keeps you getting up in the morning to fight the good fight of entrepreneurship? As many an entrepreneur, I am thrilled with the opportunities we have to drive meaningful, impactful innovation for everyone's benefit in pretty short order, the fail fast type of concept. 
is an important one for us. And we are thrilled in that context, Jason, by the reception of the ecosystem. Huge kudos to all the early adopting firms that not only take a risk on a new startup, but also provide invaluable feedback from the front lines. A lot of our solutions that you see on the shelf today are driven by client co-innovation, if you will. And that is just massively important to us. And again, thankful to all the early adopters that massively help drive innovation that way in our space. Excellent. Philip, thank you so much for your time today. Greatly appreciate it. Jason, thank you. So that was my podcast with Philip Hecker of Bento Engine. Hope you enjoyed that podcast. And if you were a financial advisor in the US looking to create deeper, more meaningful relationships with your clients and better get to personalize the content going to them, please take the time to check out Bento Engine. As always, if you enjoyed this podcast, please review on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever your podcast. Until next time, take care. This podcast was brought to you by Woodgate Financial, an award-winning financial planning firm catering to high net worth individuals and their families. To learn more, go to woodgate.com. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, or find more episodes at jasonperera.ca.